Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Area 13 podcast. I remember to say it correctly, (laughs) but we always cover all sorts of things about electric bikes in the podcast. That's entirely what the podcast is for. And typically, these episodes are recorded, edited, and then put it out. And we're still going to do that so we can have it on all of our regular podcast platforms. But I decided to do something a little bit different today. Uh, So thank you if you're joining me on YouTube Live. That means you can ask me questions and I'm going to answer them as we go. So once again, I am Kyle Chittock, the owner of Area 13. Welcome back for another podcast episode. And jumping into it already, we got Robert Noah with a bunch of uh, emojis here. I don't know what he's saying other than he's happy and he's got a bike. <laughs> I love the uh, profile photo. Awesome. It's one of our, uh, well, it was, it was a giveaway bike uh, that we actually did. But looks like we've already got some questions on here. Train Buff 143, I've heard that topping off batteries all the time is not good. Do batteries need to run down before charging? Mark Emerson says, hey, from England. But let's review or recap a little bit because this is not the first time I've done a podcast about batteries. In fact, I went through before this episode and I decided to kind of look back and see what have I covered before? And it starts all the way back with episode four. So very early on in the podcast, we were looking at batteries. Of course, they are absolutely critical to e-bikes. I feel like batteries have had the biggest change or the biggest improvements over the last, you know, 10, 15 years that really make e-bikes work. Uh, but that episode four uh, was with a guy named Patrick Duggan of High C Battery. That was an interview episode. He is a battery expert. All he does is rebuild batteries, uh, particularly for electric bikes, but any other sort of light electric vehicle as well. So I thought he was a great person to bring on and talk about the future of batteries where are they going, what's coming, and kind of the general consensus of that was that, you know, we see these news articles all the time that are like, you know, 50% battery improvement or 200% better energy density on a battery, and the reality is, will that happen? Yes, eventually, but is it going to happen like in the next six months or year? Not likely. Battery improvements are, tend to be small, 10%, 15%, you know, on average per year, and there are the potential, of course, for these massive improvements to happen. But just because the technology exists doesn't mean that the technology exists to actually manufacture and sell the battery that has that greater capacity or lighter weight or smaller form factor, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, I remember way back when flying model airplanes that the first lithium batteries I bought, they were super expensive. They were barely powerful enough to run a little tiny electric motor. But they were so light that you could actually put a smaller motor on and it worked. Uh, And I feel like e-bikes are way beyond that stage. We're at the point where the batteries can actually output way more current or amps than what we typically need. So we're in a really good position. They're only going to get better uh, from here. But again, that was episode four. If you want to review that or go back to that, a lot of great information from Patrick. We talked about a lot of things I think one of the biggest things we talked about was quality and looking at not just cells. In other words, 
you don't just want a battery that has Samsung cells or Panasonic cells or LG cells, which are all good companies, but you need the assembly to be top-notch as well. It doesn't matter how good the cells are if the soldering uh, and the welding job on the individual cells is not done well. Uh, so it's, it's the whole package that actually matters. And some of that's a little bit harder to figure out, uh, but just deal with reputable suppliers. I have people email me every once in a while saying, hey, I found this battery on you know, eBay or wherever, and it was you know, half the price. I'm like, well, there's probably a good reason <laughs> it's half the price uh, because the way we make our batteries, I couldn't make it for half the price even if we wanted to. Uh, but we don't sacrifice on quality. We want the best cells to start out with, and then we want really, really good quality builds, good BMSs. That's the circuit inside the battery. So there you have it. That's one of the things that happened. Now, later, episode 67. So there was a pretty big gap in, or no, episode 62 actually was the next one. That was best battery practices, which would probably answer a lot of the questions I'm seeing coming in here. But we're going to go through these one at a time anyway. Uh, basically, you know, how do you take care of it? How do you charge it? What's the best way to discharge it? Are there temperatures at which you should store them that matter, don't matter? What is the best way to get the longest life out of your battery? And then episode 67 of the podcast was about battery charging rates. How fast can we charge batteries? That's kind of a, a topic that's coming up, I think, more and more often now. A lot of electric vehicles, that's, that's a huge topic there is, you know, charging time. Because if you got to wait for several hours to recharge, that's not cool. If you can recharge in 10, 15 minutes, then that's really cool. <laughs> so very interesting dynamic there. Something that doesn't come up with e-bikes as much, I feel like, because if you really need to get somewhere fast or have a long range, you can just take a second battery and swap it out. You're charged up in, in seconds. But I think charging speeds is going to be something that's discussed more and more over time. And I think that's going to be a selling point. Now, in case you guys haven't seen the Watt Wagons Cross Tour, the upgraded, I guess you could say, version of that with the bigger controller, 3000 watts. I'm hoping I can get my eyes on that in person very soon here. It is going to come with a vehicle charger. So it is compatible with the same charging plug and port that vehicles are using, which is going to make the charge time really fast. And it's, it's not going to be charging at the same rates that a car would, of course, because it doesn't need to. The battery is much, much smaller, but it's just really cool that some people are doing things and thinking about that. Something I've thought about for a long time. Uh, so anyway, battery charging rates, how much is too much? What are the limits right now? Why can't batteries charge as fast as they can discharge? That's something I go into on episode 67. And finally, the most recent battery episode was about second battery options. So if you want to add a second battery to your bike, whether it's wired in, not wired in, I went into a lot of detail on that as well. Our dual parallel connector that makes that easier or possible in some cases, uh, those are on sale this week, which is part of the reason for doing this particular podcast episode. Batteries on our website are all discounted or on sale to some degree. At the very least, with any battery you buy from us, you'll get a free limited edition battery t-shirt that I designed, Area 13, of course. Uh, we're trying to get that name out there. So it's got Area 13, 
and an e-bike with a little lightning bolt and a battery symbol on it just to kind of promote batteries this week. Again, that's going to be another limited edition t-shirt like we did last week, where at the end of the week, the t-shirt goes away and you can never get it again. It's gone. So you can just buy the shirt if you just want that. But if you buy any one of our batteries, you'll get that with your order for free. Now, let's get into, I guess, the, the meat of the episode. The questions here, there's so many things we could talk about with batteries, and I've dove into some of those topics in more detail in the past. But let's jump back up to the top on the questions here and see what we've got. Robert, again, was the first one on. He is a super fan. Thank you, Robert, for being here again. All right, let's jump back to Train Buff 143 question. I have heard that topping off batteries all of the time is not good. Do batteries need to run down before charging? Uh, this is an excellent question. And I think there's a reason there's a lot of confusion about this is because in the past, you had all these different formats of batteries. Nickel, metal, hydride, you had... Early on, there were different types of lithium. We still have different types of lithium today, but you have lead-acid batteries. And the short version is the different chemistries behave differently. Some batteries, it's better to drain all the way down before you charge them up. Some you can drain all the way down to like zero volts. Some you, like lithium, you definitely can't. So is topping off the batteries all the time good or not? Here's the thing. It's perfectly safe to top off your batteries. And by that, I mean charge up to 100% every time if you want to. Batteries are designed for that in ideal conditions, which most e-bikes are not in ideal conditions, but in ideal conditions, a lithium cell from one of those major brands I mentioned from the manufacturer is rated for somewhere between 800 to 1,000 cycles. So to put that into perspective, let's say you can go 20 miles on your bike. 1,000 cycles would be 20,000 miles. That's more miles than most people ride their bike. And so it's further than most of you would ever go. However, there's some other components. Like I said, they're not always in ideal conditions. That, that means temperature, because that can affect things. That means, you know, discharge rates, heat, cold. How often are you charging it? There's, there's a lot of different factors. So it's okay to charge lithium batteries to 100%. However, it is proven, and then there are lots of studies on this, that if you charge to, say, 80% or 90%, that the batteries will last even longer. So instead of 1,000, you might get 1,500 cycles or 2,000 cycles. That's the benefit to charging a little bit less than 100%. Now, with lithium batteries in particular, no, you do not need to run them down before charging. They have no memory effect. You don't need to discharge them a certain amount before you charge them back up again. Uh, if you go ride five miles around the neighborhood, barely use any of your battery, perfectly safe to plug it back in. Just know that if you're charging to 100%, you're that 800 to 1,000 cycle range in, under ideal conditions as opposed to potentially more. Uh, or maybe your battery's not in the best of conditions. It's only going to last four or 500 cycles because of how you treat it. Well, it might last longer if you only charge to 80, 90%. The one caveat, and I think it's something that's missed often, most BMS circuits, that's the battery management system, that's what BMS stands for, only balance your cells when the battery charges to 100%. So if you always charge to 80%, there's a chance the cell voltages are getting further and further and further apart 
because you're not giving it time to balance. The circuit physically can't balance it because the time when it does that is when it charges to 100%. So I definitely recommend charging to 100% at least once a month or something, even if you're going to do less. So hopefully that covers that question in entirety. Mark from England. Hey, we've got David Wolf says, yo. Another Robert says, hi, from Washington State. Hogdoc 1946. Where can you find a discharger for batteries? That's an interesting question. We actually built something custom, one of the guys in the shop, so we could discharge batteries without putting them on a bike. There's two massive resistors. It's kind of a complicated setup. <laughs> the easiest thing to do is just get on your bike and go ride it. You, you already have a discharger for your battery. <laughs> so if, if you're looking for something more for maintenance, you can certainly make something. But I find that most people have no trouble discharging the battery. It's charging that they need. And I think there was a question about uh, storage that probably relates to that. All right. Yes, Train Buff, hi from Colorado. Hopefully that answered your question. Enreal29 says, not a battery question. Then I apologize. We'll have to skip that one. It's about a Rad Rover upgrade kit. Everything on our website is, is what we know. Steven, at what percentage should e-bike battery be charged for long-term storage? Great question. I have definitely seen that if you charge to 100%, you'll get a slow, slow drop on lithium batteries over time, no matter how well you treat it. Uh, now, I've had batteries sit for six months, go hop on it, works perfectly fine. So lithium batteries do last a long time. The only exceptions I've seen to that is I've seen a couple of e-bikes out there that have like a security system or something else that is slowly draining the battery over time. If you have a bike that has anything like that, make sure that you charge the bike every once in a while to avoid that from discharging too far. But percentage-wise, uh, I think most studies agree that somewhere in the neighborhood of like 60 to 70% is ideal for long-term storage. So if you know, let's say you've got two locations, I've seen this often, two houses or something, one's in a winter area, you know, you got a summer house or something, and you know you're not going to be back to where that bike is for, say, six months, going out of the country, whatever it might be, charge it to 60-70%. Depending on what your battery voltage is, there might be different ranges. It doesn't have to be exact, guys. But 60-70% to 70 has been proven to be the best. 100% probably not really gonna hurt it that much, but we know that it's not the best scenario for long-term storage. And then definitely don't go down to 10-20% because if you leave it too long, it drops below that low cutoff voltage which could be you know, somewhere around mid to high two volts per cell, uh, eventually at some point it won't be recoverable. And you definitely don't want that. Uh, Slick DC, ooh, this is a good one. Solar chargers, are there any improvements for faster charging? Give us some clarification. Do you mean charging while parked? Do you mean charging while riding? What exactly do you wanna do? I'm gonna let you respond with a little more information. And we'll come back to that one because uh, I think it depends on the scenario. Hogdog, charge your battery at 80%, uh, a little bit lower for if you're going to store it. We have to clarify that statement. 80%, if you're charging that every single day and using it every day, long-term life, yes, that actually is a correct statement. So just want to make sure everybody's clear uh, about that. David, thank you for ordering a Blackbird. Bought an extra battery. Looking for any tips I can get. Awesome. Uh, Mark, let's see, any idea what amps the controller is an unmodded folding fatback? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, 
That's very vague question. I apologize. I have no way to to know that. John Fried, I've got to store my Rad Runner for eight months because of surgery. Sorry to hear that. How do I store the battery and keep it at 75%? Oh, and there's a little more to his question. How do I store the battery? There's one other thing we didn't talk about for long-term storage, which is temperature. Room temperature, basically in your house somewhere, is ideal. In a garage or outside somewhere in a shed where it's potentially getting, you know, over 100 degrees or something in the summer or below freezing in the winter is not ideal for the battery either. If you can keep it in your house around room temperature for long-term storage, much, much better chance that that battery is going to be working 100% when you go back to use it when you're ready to use it. Uh, So I hope your surgery goes well and you are able to use your bike in another eight months or sooner. All right. David says, can I use a 48 volt battery as a spare for my 52 volt 17.4 amp hour battery? Okay. So this, I feel like we need to jump into explanations of voltage a little bit because interestingly enough, a 48 volt battery is actually 54 volts when it's fully charged A 52-volt battery would actually be as high as like 58 volts when it's fully charged. And the reason for that, because it's all at the cell level, a single lithium-ion cell in the 18650 format, which is what most of your e-bikes have. There's going to be a few exceptions. The Warthogs actually use a bigger cell than that. But most are using the 18650 size. They are at about 3.7 volts nominal. That means that's the the typical operating voltage. And how many of those you have in series determines the ending voltage. Now, a single cell when fully charged at 100% capacity can actually go up to about 4.2 volts. So you can see there's like half a volt difference per cell. So the more you've got, the bigger the battery is, the higher the voltage is, the bigger that difference is going to be. Now, let's say you have a bike that normally runs on 52 volts, uh, as the example is here. Could you run a 48-volt battery on that bike? Well, yeah, absolutely, because at fully charged, it's going to be 54 volts. You actually have a fair amount of overlap there. You might not get the same performance, but it'll work. Here's the downside, uh, and it depends on your bike. Let's just assume your bike was set up for 52 volts from the factory, and there's no way to adjust that. It was just designed for 52 volts, and that's it. There are two different protection circuits built in on most e-bikes to cut the battery off when your voltage gets low. One is in the battery itself. In this case, if you're using a lower voltage battery, basically the battery's going to be fine. It'll cut itself off when the 48-volt battery gets too low, and your bike's going to turn off not a problem. However, if the controller, which is the second place there is a protection circuit built in, is designed for 52 volt batteries, it's going to cut off a little bit higher than what your 48 volt battery is designed for. So basically it's going to cut off too soon and you're not going to be able to discharge it and use the full capacity of that 48 volt battery. So will it work? Yes. Will it work as well? Depends. If your bike has a setting, which a lot of Bafang systems do, where you can go into the display and change it from, say, 52 volts to 48 volts, or on like KT controllers, like what we use on the Blackbird right now, 
you can change the the cutoff voltage. There's some adjustment in there and it auto detects and does different things. So depending on the controller, you might be able to set it to where you can use both battery voltages just fine on your bike and it cuts off where it's supposed to for each voltage, but some bikes it will not. Now, if your question, I assume when you said is a spare means this is a a separate battery, they're never going to be plugged in at the same time. I don't have a good way for you to plug two different voltage batteries in at the same time. That's a scenario where you could uh, run into some problems. <laughs> so short answer is yes, but there are some conditions and it depends on your bike. So I can't answer 100% yes or no if it's going to work well. All right. David, who had ordered the Blackbird, any chance larger watt hour battery will be available? Probably. Nothing immediately, you know, in the next couple of months or so. But are we hoping we can get an even bigger Blackbird battery that fits on that same cradle? Of course, we're always going to upgrade battery capacities when we can, but uh, not anything in the near future. Robert, I got a new battery for the Joker, which is the giveaway bike that he won from us years back, but don't want to change the cover. Can covers just be swapped over? I assume you mean the case. Yes, it can be done. Sometimes it's a little more involved. I suppose I'd want to know why you want to keep the case you have. If you painted it, or I'm not sure what the the reason for the question is there. Mark Burton, yep, he's just saying store it at a, not at 100%, but bring it down to 60 to 80. Uh, yeah, 60 to 70 is kind of the, I think the most studies lean in that area. Let's see, Steven says, I stored my lithium over the winter months with no adverse effects. Is there a long-term issue? I don't have any information on how you stored it, so I'm not sure how to answer that one. If it was like in a cold freezing area, it's not best, but cold really affects batteries if you try and charge it cold. That is really bad. You definitely don't want to do that. Jimmy, do you know what the voltage cutoff is for a stock Rad Rover bike? I don't know specifically where Rad Rover cuts the voltage off. So short answer is no. However, it's a 48 volt battery and you can look up basically the lithium specifications and see what's the recommended cutoff point. Three volts is really safe. 2.8 volts, I've seen that. I've seen some a little lower than that. Let's just say it might be around 2.8 volts per cell, which if we divide, so if we do 48 volts, here's where we can do that. That math to backtrack, well, how many cells do you even have in series? Divided by 3.7 is about 13 cells. So at 13 cells, if you want to cut off at 2.8 volts, that'd be around 36 volts. It's going to be somewhere in that neighborhood. So I don't know exactly for the, the Rad Rover what they cut off at, but 36 to 40 volts is probably going to be in that range. Too fast, TJM, my bike is indoors in my house. Do I need to take it off my bike to store it for the winter? I would say, depends on your bike. As a precaution, if you know you're going to store your bike for a long time, yeah, just take the battery off the bike just to make sure there's no weird load that you're not aware of that's slowly draining something. I think that's the best practice. Some batteries have a, a switch on them, so you know that when you turn that switch off, the battery is off. It's not connected to anything. And even if it's on the bike, you're not going to have anything drawing power. Some don't. I've seen some batteries that don't have a switch. And there might be like a capacitor or something in the controller that slowly, just ever so slowly drains over time. And it is actually draining your battery just a little bit. 
if you have the ability to pull the battery off easily, I would just do that to be on the on the safe side if you know you're going to store it for a long time. Train buff 143, how do you determine the percentage charged? Uh, I knew that question was going to come up. Are there any products that shut off charging after you have attained a certain percentage? Uh, yes, the Cycle Satiator is a high-end charger for e-bikes and other small electric things. Works really well for that. You can set custom profiles, charge rates. You can charge to 80%, 90%, 70%, basically whatever you want it to do. So there are products for that. There are more basic chargers where they might have just like a setting that's like 80% or 90%, 100%. Those things do exist as well. Uh, so there are chargers that can do that. Otherwise, what you need to do is if you have a bike that displays voltage, basically look up a chart of the percentages. They're all over Google that say how much percentage equals what voltage. Write that down, turn your bike on, look at the display and see what's the voltage. If you don't have a meter on your display on your bike, you can always put a actual voltmeter on the battery uh, and check it every once in a while as it's charging up and do it that way as well. Joe, after storing a battery, I'm not against top balancing and bottom balancing the pack for the first few charges. Yep, I think that's fair advice or good advice. If you store your battery for six months, yeah, give it a full charge after that. Let the cells balance out. Always uh, balance those cells if you can. Uh, Mark says on my Rad Rover 5 stock, it was cutting off on 38 volts. Yeah, so my guess was somewhere between 30, I can't remember what I said, 36 and 40. That's right in the middle. <laughs> awesome. Let's see. I'm not sure what you're talking about there, Mike. The hand warmer. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, maybe you put a hand warmer in with your battery. That would make sense. So you you put a hand warmer with your battery when it was two degrees outside. So your battery wasn't as cold. So the performance would be better. Absolutely. I could totally believe that would make sense and that would work. Uh, Hog Doc says, uh, for one of the comments earlier, Luna Bike sells chargers with 80-90% settings. Thank you. Uh, Joe OWS says, an inline voltage meter is handy as well. They're pretty cheap online. Yeah, if you think you're going to do any battery maintenance, guys, or, you, or if you just want to maintain your battery the way you should, a voltmeter is really valuable. <laughs> Makes it really easy to troubleshoot, to diagnose, check your battery voltage, percentages. Definitely recommend having one. When he says they're pretty cheap online, you can get them for like a few dollars. Really, really cheap. And those are just basic, just to measure voltage. You can get something, of course, a lot nicer and fancier that can do more things, but it's not a bad idea to have one of those in your toolbox. Uh, if I was doing like a, a lot of riding, like a, a long distance ride or ride across the country multiple days or something, I would probably have a voltmeter in my tool bag. That's how valuable I would consider that. And I think we have just caught up to the questions here. Now, I know there was one about solar up above that we didn't get back to. I'm looking for that. Slick DC. If you're still here, please do clarify the uh, solar question. Uh, otherwise, I'm happy to just kind of jump into just general solar knowledge and e-bike batteries and, and where I think it's at today. But feel free to clarify that statement. So here's what I am doing. I was hoping this would be a product we had out last year just didn't quite happen. There were new solar panels being developed and I wanted to wait for those specifically. But basically to put solar panels on your bike and charge while riding, it's not super efficient, I guess I could say, or useful. 
Like you could get a slow, small, small, really small <laughs> trickle charge if you put a solar panel like on your back rack of your bike or something like that. Would it actually extend your range? Not that much. If you're leaving your bike parked out in the sun all day and you like ride to work and then back home, could it potentially add a couple miles or something? Yeah, it could. But then if you're going to park the bike, then you might as well either plug it in or if you just don't have a plug available, that's when folding solar panels, I think, are are the best solution. So I have a panel here in the shop. It's a, a prototype and it's from a company here in the U.S. They make solar panels for you know, military and just general outdoor stuff. They're really good, durable, tough panels. Uh, so I reached out to them because I thought, okay, I think they have some of the best panels for an e-bike situation. They're lightweight. They're waterproof if they're going to be outdoors. Uh, they're rugged. You know, solar panels normally are fragile. <laughs> you know, moving them around, going on bumpy trails, things like that, that's not a very good situation to be in for a solar panel. So I had to look for something, well, what's going to last? What's going to be tough? So I think I found a company that does that. Like I said, I have a panel here and folded up. It's about yay, about this thick or so. Easily would slip into a saddlebag or something like that. Weighs a little less than five pounds, if I remember correctly. So it's lighter than a second battery. And a solar panel like that is over 150 watts. It's like 165 watts, which is really good. Most e-bikes come with a two amp charger, which at around 48 volts or so is about hundred watts. So if you're in full sunlight getting say 150 watts out of that panel, that's just as good or better than being plugged into the wall. Now, if a cloud blocks your sun, the charge rate drops <laughs> dramatically. The other thing to consider is you have to have between the solar panel and your battery, a charge controller, kind of the brains that tells the solar panel what voltage to put into that. We've got one of those here as well. It's like 96% efficient, and it can take, what I love about the charge controller we have is it can take anywhere from a very low voltage up to like 60 volts. It gives you a lot of flexibility on what panel, but also as the panel voltage fluctuates with shadows or clouds or anything, the output is a very constant voltage, but the Charge rate, of course, is going to go up or down depending on how much sun is available. But really, really efficient. Some charge controllers basically shut off when they don't have the right range and then turn back on, and it's not very efficient. This one can ramp up and down smoothly. Uh, and like I said, it's like being plugged into the wall if you've got full sunlight. But that's a folding panel that you'd pull out of your bag, put it on the ground, plug your bike into it. And that technology exists, works really well to get the ideal setup that I just described, you're probably looking at a cost a little more than a spare battery. The advantage, however, is you don't have to actually have a spot to plug it in. So if you're going to do some touring across the country, like I said, if you're out camping, uh, if you're hunting, if you're doing something where you don't have access to a plug, uh, then the solar charging can be done in a way that actually makes a lot of sense. If it's cloudy, so winter time, things like that, though, it may, it may not. The only other way to charge while riding, you need more surface area. Uh, a Velo Mobile, which is an aerodynamic enclosed bicycle, has enough surface area and they're aerodynamic, so they're more efficient and they don't use as much power. You could actually make something that would, in theory, have just an unlimited range if the sun is out. But most bicycles are not that way and they are, they're not going to be. 
Um, so I do hope that we have a solar panel and charge controller set up uh, available sometime later this year uh, in production and for sale. It's not going to be the cheapest solar charging system because there's a couple out there that I've seen, but I think that it will be the absolute best. And both the charge controller and panel will be made in the USA, which is pretty cool. Uh, so definitely are working on it. Yeah, Robert says portable folding panels are overpriced, not very efficient at all. Uh, there are exceptions to that. I, I'll, I'll put it that way. That's <laughs> uh, a kind of a blanket statement there. I would I would agree that the majority probably are not worth it and overpriced. Uh, but there are some really good ones. I've, like I said, I've got one here. We've used it, and it, it actually works really, really well. Awesome. Uh, and thanks, Joe, for the tip on uh, grin technology on solar-powered sun tour. Lots of guys that have done different solar things. So it, it's doable, but it's not at the point where you could put, like, you know, a little panel this big and expect your battery to stay charged. The, the panel technology isn't there. I would say the battery tech is there. The charge controller tech is there. But the panel efficiency isn't there. I think panels we were looking at, I think, were might have been 25% efficient or something in that range, uh, which is really good. But that means 75% of the sun hitting that panel isn't getting used. So as time goes on, panels keep getting more and more. It's a progressive thing, just a little more every year, more efficient. Eventually, you know, if you can factor, say, 100% efficiency or 90% efficiency of a solar panel, that would be amazing. You could have a little tiny panel on your bike that just trickle charges it all the time, but we could be who knows how many years away before that's actually doable. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, Charles, most 100-watt panels only do 75 watts in good sun. <laughs> yeah, depends on the quality of the panel you buy. Yeah, they're usually kind of like e-bikes. You buy a good quality e-bike, it'll overperform. You buy just average quality, it might underperform. What can I say? It's like that in every industry. But thank you guys for being here alive. I enjoyed having the questions here uh, and reading through them and uh, giving me some ideas and thoughts. I uh, always love to know what people are thinking, what people are looking for for e-bikes. So again, I appreciate all of the battery-related questions today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're listening to this after the live, once again, I'm Kyle, the owner of Area 13. If you want to sign up for our email list that is specific for these podcast episodes, so you just get notified when new episodes come out, you can do that by going to ebikepodcast.com. Uh, once again, really simple, ebikepodcast.com. And of course, those battery deals I mentioned going on all week. So if you want a killer deal on a new battery, spare battery, uh, it's, you know, obviously we don't have batteries for everything, but we do have some, some good batteries on sale right now. You can find those at area13ebikes.com. And hopefully I will catch all of you guys later. Looks like we got one final question, which I'm going to uh, address real quickly here. Charles says, custom battery cases. Excellent question. I see a lot of DIY guys making custom battery cases. I don't know of anybody that uh, professionally does that. Definitely something to look into. Thanks again, guys, and I will talk to you on another Tuesday.